You're watching Tech Talk in affiliation with Tech for Techs. We're a community that supports independent trade with the help of vendors and distributors. We're live every Thursday at 8 p.m. London time and we'll be streaming to Facebook and YouTube, Twitter and Twitch. You can listen to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, Google, TuneIn and many more. And now, the moment you've been waiting for, and your host, Philip Griffiths. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Tech for Tech's Tech Talk, where we help your tech business grow. This is a spotlight episode, data recovery done right with EADR. Please comment in the comment section and let us know where you're viewing from and what company you work for. If you have any thoughts or questions on this topic, please feel free to comment. If you are watching from the Facebook group, please click the link in the chat, which I'll post in a few seconds. Here we go. Uh, and that link will allow your name to be displayed. Otherwise, you will be known as Facebook user. And unless you want me to call you Facebook user all the way through the chat, I suggest you click on that link. And again, that's just for the people in the Tech for Text Facebook group. If you have any questions, uh, again, please put them in the chat. So let's have a look who we've got in the chat first of all. So I'm guessing you guys can hear us. So we've got a lot of Facebook users by the looks of it. And I can see Cormy or Cormac, should we say, who's a regular Hello world, hello evening, and so forth. So, right, let's go on to this. So, first of all, today we are joined by Steve and Alison Cook from EADR. Um, if you would like to introduce yourself, Alison and Steve, just let us know a bit about yourselves, who you are, obviously, and um, what's your job roles at EADR. Okay, I'm Alison. Hello. Hi, everybody. Lovely to see you be here for this evening. Um, you've probably spoken to me online or seen me within interacting within the group, um, but I tend to do um, most of the work with our partners. Um, I also oversee the sort of customer journey and, um, and I do more of the administrative and sales and marketing functions for the business. And Steve? I'm Steve, <laughs> and I do all the other stuff. That's about it, really. I do all the other stuff. <laughs> so you do more of the technical stuff, is it? More of the technical stuff, that's right. Yeah, Alison does all that sort of side of it, all the, admi all the admin side of it, and I do all the technical side over here. Right, that should be fine. Well, let's go on to the main topic, or at least before we get there, if you have any thoughts or questions on this topic, please feel free to comment in the comment section. If you're watching from the Facebook group, as I've already said, please click the link in the chat and in now, otherwise you will be known as a Facebook user. And otherwise, obviously, all your comments will be called, let's say they're from Facebook user. Right, before we go on to the interview, we've got a short video for you to watch about EADR. So let me put that up first, and then we'll go into the interview. At EADR, we understand how distressing it can be to lose valuable and irreplaceable data. So it could be your child's first steps, wedding pictures, or if you're in business, it could be valuable contractual information or in, indeed your entire database. 
We can recover data from all kinds of failed devices, such as a small micro SD card right through to a multi-bay disk array system. Our background here is in customer service and computer maintenance and we had a vision of providing a data recovery service that was accessible to everybody. We totally understand what it's like to suffer data loss, whether you're in business or you're a home user. Often clients come to us when they've been told that their data is not recoverable. It might be that it's a mechanical issue, but at EADR we have clean, sterile facilities that mean we can actually work on the internal parts of your hard drive and effect a repair in that way. We use cutting-edge techniques and industry-leading equipment here, which together with our experience means that you stand the best possible chance of getting your data back. It's really easy to get in touch with us. We offer a completely free inspection service regardless of where you live in the UK and if you're unable to bring the item to us in person you can request a collection online, you can send an inquiry through our website or if you prefer you can just call us for some further information. Our passion is putting you first and reuniting you with your lost data because recovering your data is what drives us. Okay, we're back. So I hope you all enjoyed that video. Uh, if you've got any questions about that video or any other topics regarding data recovery or whatever, feel free to send them through. I'm sure Stephen and Alison will be able to answer them for you. Let's just go quickly to the chat and see what who we've got. Um, hi, Richard Creedy. Good evening to you. Hello to all the other Facebook users. Please click on that link again. Uh, Call Me says, hello, world. You hello, got hello from yeah. <laughs> hello, Cormac. He's a, bit of a, he's a bit of a character, Cormac, isn't he? So we could have a sh whole, whole show just talking about Cormac and chickens. I'm pretty sure of it, but uh, um, there we go. Right, so we've got Paul saying evening as well. A hello, few Paul. more Facebook users saying hi. You've got uh, let's have a look. Um, hello, you've William. Got William as well from computer tech um and you've also got ian here from essex uh, he's also a regular on the show uh, let's have a look who else we got we've got robert who was on last week's show actually uh and he's from inverness computers he must be the furthest one away at the moment oh no hang on cork well there you go uh hope we well intro yes i'm gonna say uh the intro uh what jenny does is uh uh, pretty good. I'm not sure how much she'll charge for it, though. I'm pretty sure she'll add a few zeros <laughs> on the end if you want to. Um, so uh, we've also got Richard here as well from Great Computer Service. I always like that GR8. Um, great. Uh, that's always good. Uh, again, for Facebook users, if your name's popping up as Facebook user, make sure you click that link in the chat I've put on there. That's just for the people in the Facebook group. And also, we've got Chris saying hi, Alison and Steve. Hello, Chris. Got... Hi, Chris. You've got Jason saying hi as well. Hello. Miko uh, as well. And... Cormac's really looking forward to this show. I'm going to be going on forever saying hello to everyone. If I haven't Hi, said hello, James. well, hello. <laughs> There's quite a few people watching tonight, so uh, it should be fun. So let's go on to the 
interview or information about you guys. So let's start off with the history of EADR and how it all began. So where did you guys start? Oh, that's a long one, I think, to be honest. It's quite a long one. Um, years ago, years ago now, it seems like a lifetime ago, um, 92, maybe 93, I came out of a long-standing career in the motor industry and uh, uh, because I'd been responsible for sort of uh, computerizing the the workshops and the estimating and the accounts for the company, it seemed a natural progression to go into computers. They interested me massively. Long story short, after being a mobile tech for about maybe sort of three or four years, I opened my first shop in Walthamstow, East London. He's 17, no less. Um, and that was in 98, 98, where we uh, were building the uh, awesome, super fast 486DX. 266s at the time, I think, was the, the cutting-edge PC at the time. And um, really, I suppose, my, my interest peaked when clients started asking for, for data recovery and drives started failing, as they did in them days quite regularly. And we couldn't get the information back at all. Um, and the only option was to send it to another company. And uh, really, after being bitten a couple of times um, quite badly to sort of save face and keep customers happy, um, it was something that really got under my, my sort of, uh, piqued my interest, should I, should I say. Well, rolling on a few years, um, I met Alison, came to Norfolk, and 11 years ago, uh, again, working back in the computer industry, I decided to take the plunge, and uh, we, t we took a very big gamble one year, and uh, uh, pushed the boat out, bought some kit, and uh, started data recovery. We had a good understanding of data, had a good understanding of how it all works and, you know, um, transferring client's data from one to the other. Uh, the missing link really was the, the, the fixing of the drives, the, the accessing of, of, of drives that weren't accessible at the time, um, repairing certain things that maybe sort of uh, should be repairable, but we couldn't do it. So um, it was purchasing the tools and the equipment and the know-how and the, the, the sort of the, the time spent researching and reading up and whatever else. So yeah, 11 years ago, we pushed the boat out and we sort of bought some kit and we started East Anglian Data Recovery Services and um, uh, moved on from there, really. I mean, the, 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 the company's been been going now, as I say, for 11 years, and um, it's, it's, it's grown steadily year on year. It's not been a meteoric rise. It really hasn't. But then again, we didn't really start out with that ambition. Uh, we just wanted to make improvements. And we really wanted to focus on, on, on my past experiences with dealing with data recovery companies and what I didn't like about dealing with them and the way they did business at the time. So it was... Um, it was really finding a way around sort of um, working with you guys on a one-to-one -one basis, um, giving you guys what you need, uh, not being afraid to refer to us, not being afraid to say like, you know, I can't do it, but I know somebody who can. And uh, yeah, it's sort of, it's, it's, it's moved on from there. And, and slowly but surely, Alison being the face of the business, I mean, Ali, she sat on the phone for that first year, she sat on the phone six months a good six months solid I, I, I kid you not a good six months solid phoning around computer shops just making us known to these people sending out emails you know making contacts working through a database and um, it's funny it really is funny but we, I mean I think it was a couple of years back we actually had uh, a phone call from somebody who we very first very first uh, contacted all those years ago always says I found your email he says that you sent to me back in 2010 I think he was and um, I need data recovery now he says uh, what can you do for me 
and we struck up a really good partnership with them now. You know, so that's how it's really worked. And, and Alison's really done a fantastic job of pushing the company forward. Okay, that sounds pretty good, and that's definitely an in-depth uh, answer there for that one. So, what sort of products and services do you offer? Obviously, you do data recovery, but uh, a little bit more info than that. That's Alison's domain, that is. <laughs> so, so what, what sort of products and services do you offer then, Alison? What sort of things do you repair? Obviously, hard drives are probably the mainstay of the business. Um, we also do, obviously, flash flash drive repairs, servers, RAID arrays, right down to the smaller SD cards. But I'd say the lion's share of what we do here is is hard drive recoveries um, and solid state drives, which I know one of the questions is probably going to be, can we recover from solid state drives? I think I saw within the group earlier. Um, I'll let Steve cover that once it comes up a bit later. But yeah, we, we sort of do the whole scope of things here. Um, yeah, basically anything to do with sort of storage media. So it's sort of an evolving space, isn't it? Because things are always changing. So you're having to learn, I'm guessing, on a they are. Near and, daily and, basis. And, and the biggest changes that we see, obviously, is the capacities of the drives. I mean, I remember when we first started the business and we were putting data onto external drives for clients to send back, um, we were buying sort of 250 and 320 gig external drives to send back, you know, and then now the smallest ones that we can typically get hold of are sort of a terabyte, um, unless you're yeah. going on to bigger memory sticks or, or portable SSDs. And um, obviously the recovery cases capacity wise are getting bigger and bigger regularly, four, five, six, eight terabyte, 10 terabyte drives coming through. Still the, a lot of them are, are one and twos, but you very rarely get the smaller um, ones to, to, to sort of work with um, and um, and get back in that way. But yeah, it's, it's the size of the drives is changing sort of all the time, getting bigger. Yeah, I'm guessing that makes it a bit harder as well. Right, so uh, what is the most common faults you see then? Most common faults that we see in here typically, I suppose, are there's a couple, I suppose, really. Stiction is, is one. We, we get a lot of laptop drives that have been either dropped or they've been knocked or whatever else, or a, a laptop that's been shut quite energetically. Um, that can cause a few problems. But recently, we've been seeing an awful lot of the, um, an awful lot, actually, of, of the Western Digital, sort of my passport range and whatever else, that are suffering with um, what we term as a slow-to-respond issue. Um, it's, it's something that's quite readily got around, but it does cause a lot of tech angst for a couple of reasons, really. Uh, I suppose um, they do tend to make a bit of a funny noise when they sort of go. Um, it's a bit of a strange noise. It's not necessarily a head's noise. It's just a little bit of like a fizzing sort of noise that uh, uh, can sort of ping a little occasionally every now and again. Um, but obviously, you've got a USB interface, and um, uh, that needs to be gotten around. So they are not tricky to do. They just take a little bit longer sometimes, depending, because the fault really isn't always down to um, a firmware module that's, that's, that's got a problem. It's, that's what causes the problem, but generally it's caused by another problem, i.e. either a weak head or some physical damage somewhere down the line, um, which, uh, which causes this particular firmware module to actually sort of uh, fill up or overflow. And the machine just goes, I mean, the drive just goes into a slow down mode. You'll plug it in, you'll come up, it'll go down, you'll come up, it'll go down, you'll be able to see files, you won't be able to copy them off. Uh, I'm pretty sure you've come across them yourself. 
But uh, it's something we see an awful lot of at the moment. An awful lot of at the moment. Years ago, it was something with Seagate it's called a busy bug. That was that was quite popular, quite popular. And uh, yeah, that was an awful lot of uh, people had Seagates that were spinning up and they just couldn't see them or couldn't get anything off of them. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of things along those sort of lines. But we are seeing more, more sort of SSDs fail these days. Uh, I think the first wave of maybe SSDs are starting to fail. Who knows? I don't know. Um, but we've seen a lot of SSDs that are failing. Um, controller faults, again, firmware, translator issues, that sort of thing. Um, they're coming through quite heavily. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's a broad spectrum, I suppose, uh, of failures, but they're, like, they're probably the most common ones, if I'm honest. Okay, that's pretty good. Sorry about me just turning the chat off. You get always get an idiot now and again commenting and saying something. Uh, you'd think you'd know what the show was. Uh, it's a data recovery in the title, and then they ask you uh, a silly question about what the show is, uh, but not in so polite words. So, right, next up question. Uh, are there any jobs in particular what stick out in your mind? Ooh, uh, <laughs> probably, we can't mention names. <laughs> <laughs> we did have one when we had a, it's probably six or seven years ago now, I think we had a, a big storm surge um, on the North Norfolk coast and um, uh, one of the a server went for a swim. So we had to rescue that and uh, Steve worked his magic on that one. It was um, two It was two days under seawater it was. This, this yeah. machine was, was underwater for two days in seawater and it came to us. It was a mess, an absolute mess. It took a little bit of TLC, a little bit of working through, but we got there in the end, uh, as we tend to. Um, we tend to try and focus on our efforts on, on these sort of things. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll cover recover how we run the company i suppose as we go on but uh, yeah it was it was a mess and we, we managed to work through it um, but we've had drives come to us um quite literally um with platters in separate envelopes they've been taken totally apart platters are in separate envelopes uh, the heads in another envelope the bases in the same oh i've got a donor drive here we go can't you just stick it in a cd reader and read it no it doesn't really work that way that's the sort of thing yeah you know we had one actually come from um um, from somewhere that actually they took the top off of it and they decided to flush it out with isopropyl before they sent it into us, which didn't do it any favours, to be honest. Um, but yeah, it's, they're the sort of things that stick in your mind, I suppose. Yeah, I'm going to say, I'm, get, I'm guessing you get quite a few interesting jobs. What I want to know is that one what um, had storm damage in the water and everything, yeah. did you actually, actually go out on a lifeboat to go and get it? Or? <laughs> No, no. I think after the storm surge, it took about two days for everything to sort of calm down and they could then get into the office and, and, and sort of pick it up out of the water and let it dry out. They pulled the hard drives out of it. They sent them into us and they started to corrode. Even two days under seawater, as soon as it hits the air, it starts to corrode quite badly. So a lot of electronics, well, all electronics had to be changed. Um, but if we, in the end, it was mainly it's major strip downs. We had to strip the whole drive down, uh, re-chassis them, um, just swap the platters over and everything. So it was quite, it was quite an in-depth recovery. But it, that, they they're the ones that sort of stick in your mind because it's like a lot of things really um repairs you'll see in computer shops they they can be quite not mundane but you get the same thing over and over again you know whether it's virus removal or it's maybe sort of a graphic card fitting graphic cards upgrading ram or whatever else but these are the ones that stick in your mind because they 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 do interest they pique your interest and and, and anything that piques your interest increases your your learning curve you know so um it, it takes you into places where you don't normally go with or you've probably never been before with a, with a hard drive or, 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 or a device. Um, yeah, so that's, 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 that's the, uh, uh, the interesting part of those sort of jobs. 
And the other, th- and yeah. the other reason that they tend to stick with us if there's a, is if there's a backstory, you know. I mean, we we deal with emotional people all day, every day, you know. But I've had grown soldiers sitting in here crying because they've lost data, and those jobs stick with you. You have um, there was a poor guy that had his car stolen that had three hard drives in a rucksack that was literally tossed from a window and run over. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and we got we got two out of the three back, I believe. The other one was was not recoverable, but you know those, those things with the big story behind them tend to sit well with you uh, and remember um, just because of the fact that they have more of an emotional pull for the client. And um, we, we do get to hear about how much it's affected them to have the data back and, and what sort of um, how upset they are to be losing it in the first place. And that's obviously why they've come to us because they want to have a, you know, the best chance possible of getting it back. Yeah, I'm guessing that's quite a rewarding experience when you manage to do it. Yeah, it, it always in, is. In you know, yeah, it was. I mean, the guy he did cry twice, didn't he? I think the soldier cried he did, when he yeah. came in, and he cried yeah. when he picked it up. Um, but yeah, we, it was just nice to sort of see him smiling at the end. Always good. I noticed that's that um, is it Melvin Donaldson there tells me that he's uh, he's once used a packet of frozen peas to get data off a drive and it works. Well, I, I'm not I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. I mean, drives are temperature driven. You know, we have drives here. That I, was, I was talking to Ali about it the other day. We have drives here that come to us, and they, our post gets here quite early in the morning. And uh, uh, some during the winter, some drives come to us, and the description is just, oh, it's clicking and banging and making all sorts of wonderful noises, you know. And when we get it here, it's, it's, it's quite cold. It's being in a van or, or, or the sort of us all night. It's quite cold. You know, we put them on to whatever we put them on to, and they come up straight away, no problems whatsoever, absolutely no problems whatsoever. So you turn, you know, turn it off, or you start doing what you've got to do with it. It has to restart itself. Then it starts clicking and banging. It starts going all over the place. Uh, it's purely because heat has crept into the equation somewhere somewhere along the line a component's wearing down it's getting too hot and it's not doing what it's supposed to do your bag of peas will fix it but your bag of peas isn't a one-trick pony it's not a one fix for everything and that's where people get the misconception that oh stick it in the freezer that'll get your data back well it won't you know it may do if you're lucky it may do it may give you a chance to get onto the drive and get your data from the drive but it won't fix every single drive that's, that's out there that's got a problem. Uh, and it, that seems to be a common misconception amongst things. When I, when I very first started in data recovery where people were saying, oh, I'll just pop it in the fridge, pop it in the fridge. You know, if I'm honest, I've never popped a hard drive in the fridge. <laughs> I've let them cool down. We use coolers here to keep drives cool while they're being worked with. Uh, and and that's, that's the way we, we, we get around these issues. If you don't know what's causing the issue, then you either replace it or you try and keep it at a workable temperature. Yeah, I'm guessing if you put it in a fridge or a freezer as well, you're then also adding moisture to the equation as well. So if you can't recover from you, it, it can make it even worse for you. You can, you can be, but um, I mean, yeah, you can be, yeah. Yeah. Right. So what changes have you seen in the t- last 10 years or so uh, you have been trading? Changes. Capacity, I suppose, is, is, is a big one. Everything's getting larger and getting more sort of technical. Um uh, self-encrypted drives are coming through now. In, in, you know, a lot of a lot of things are self-encrypting. Um, SMR, we're seeing a lot of SMR drives, shingle magnetic reading drives. They, they're coming through now, and they're quite difficult to get through dual translators. And that sort of thing. They're, they're quite difficult to get around. They can be quite difficult to get around, depending on what the failure is. Um, helium field drives again we get a lot of drives come through eight terabytes ten terabytes and plus which are helium filled and there really isn't much of a solution available for those we can't really work with those as well as we can do with 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 the standard hard drives um purely because um 
tooling and whatever else you're waiting for things to catch up i mean some people out there may have workarounds for it i don't know um but we tend to stick with the tooling we stick with the r&d that our tooling providers do uh, we, we find it really works for us if i'm honest it does work for us um you provide feedback both ways and uh, it helps them develop things and it helps you get a happy customer at the end of the day, hopefully. So, yeah, they're the, cha- the main changes we've seen, as well as the SSDs. SSDs are coming in um, with, with, a, with a force. Now, prices are coming down on SSDs. You know, people are swapping out. <clears throat> but um, we do say to people that uh, they're, not fallible. they're not infallible. They do fail. Uh, we see quite a lot of SSDs that have issues. Um, and... Um, yeah, they're the main changes, I suppose. Um, yeah, they're the main changes, I suppose, yeah. Yeah, okay. So how easy is it to partner with you guys? Let's just say you're an independent store or whatever, and you've you've got, obviously, drives that need repairing. Um, what? How would people go about actually teaming up with you? What sort of incentives or different ways or options have people got of getting their data recovered? Well, it depends how they prefer to work as a business. I mean, we offer a couple of options, really. um, And it's easy for us if we know at the outset which way you want to go. So the first one that we do, obviously, is the trade pricing. So um, we don't rely, we don't sort of set people a minimum throughput. We know that hard drive failures can be like buses. So you could get three in a week, you could get three in in the next three years. It all depends on obviously how things go for you and what clients you've got walking through the door. Um, But what we do on in that basis is we offer a trade price. Um, You are effectively our client because you're giving us the instruction to to proceed with the work. So you're the middleman between us and your end user. So that's how that bit works. Now, um, if you're not keen on doing that, then the other option is to work on the referral basis. And that is so popular because um, it, it, just takes the heat off you completely um all you need to do is put us in touch with the end user obviously with their permission um explain a bit about obviously what we do and i'll take up the reins i deal with the client from the beginning um qualify them in terms of pricing sort of get their expectations on a realistic footing as to what what's likely to happen when we get their drive talking through the process so they're they're fairly clued up by the time we get the device um, and so the client is responsible for paying their own bill you haven't got to collect money from them to pay us and all the sort of hassles that go with that you also haven't got a bit of a he says she says situation where we send you some technical information to relay uh, we go straight to the client and, um, and give them the information they need um, and that just works really well for people um, they don't they don't have to get bogged down with being uh, the middle person and and all the admin that goes alongside that they could just get on with running their store or being out on the road doing what they do best and what they get paid for basically um, and we just reward them with a commission um, for doing so at the end instead we just just go on the commission side of things um, uh, we do get a lot of uh, a lot of it guys that um, don't use a referral scheme they just pass some details on to a client who can't remember really who they dealt with or whatever else what i will say to you guys is Alison will hunt you down she will hunt will you down you. and she will make sure you get your commission because she does it all the time <laughs> That doesn't surprise me. That doesn't surprise me. Right. Okay. So just let you guys know, we will go through the questions in the comments in a second. We've got some pre-questions coming on, obviously, Facebook group uh, earlier in the day and yesterday and so forth. We're just going to go through those first. Once we've gone through those, we'll get to uh, uh, the questions like, uh, call me 
telling people to put um, the hard drives in bags of rice and stuff like that. I'm guessing that's a big no from you guys straight away. <laughs> so let's go to these preset questions first. What um, uh, was asked uh, over the last few days? First question was from Peter Whitehouse. Um, he says, do EADR do recovery from PCI Express, NVMe, SSDs, or any SSDs for that matter? Yeah, we do. We recover from SSDs. Not all SSDs, I have to say, because uh, it's very controller dependent. Um, working with sort of uh, NVMe, NVMe SSDs has become a lot easier recently, but uh, they're still bound by controller issues and supported controllers. Um, we, we tend to sort of um, have a fair success rate with most SSDs, if I'm honest. Um, a lot of them these days have got encrypting controllers, which is which just makes the chip off side of things either either more difficult or impossible. Um, and uh, yeah, but yeah, we do, do recover from all of those SSDs that he's mentioned, um, and we have recovered from all those SSDs that he's mentioned. <laughs> There we go. Well, one of the questions which I think you've mentioned already is actually is do you recover data from SD cards and other flash devices like USB pens and so forth? Yeah, it's pretty much the same sort of thing, to be honest with you. I mean, the SSDs are, are larger sort of flash devices. They, they, they have the similar or the same memory sort of uh, structures. Um, yes, uh, micro-soldering. I mean, all, all the USB flash stuff, um, micro-soldering-wise, is, is done in-house here, plus obviously the chip-off stuff. Um, we do all that stuff in-house. So, uh, yes, all that uh, micro-SD cards and whatever else, um, they can be quite time-consuming. Um, Pinout detection can be a problem on some if it's supported, even if it's available. Um, but uh, yeah, um, we re recover from all those sort of things. Yeah. When I say micro SD cards are fiddly enough just to plug them into your camera, let alone pair it. <laughs> yeah, well, with, with micro SD cards, you have to go through the back. If, if, if you can't, re if you can't sort of get access to it from the normal sort of uh, uh, gold contacts at the front, we have to say what I say is going through the back door um, under the. Uh, flip side of the of the SD card if you sort of take a fine I don't know fiberglass pen or some very very fine abrasive and just take the black lacquer off you will find a plethora of pins and tracks and whatever else underneath there and um, depending on whether the pin out is known um, if it's known happy days if it isn't known then it's a bit of a haul um, but uh, yeah that's that's the way really the only other way around those what I will say about those is once they do suffer from once they do fail at that sort of level um, Integrity tends to fall off a little bit. Parts of the chip either are inaccessible or they just they're degraded to a point where, where 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 sort of reliable recovery isn't sort of possible. But you can generally get something off of them, to be honest. Okay, that sounds pretty good. Do you find it harder to recover from flash media, like obviously the SDs and SSDs, than a traditional hard drive? If you gave me a pile of flash drives that had sort of a chip off work on whatever else and a pile of hard drives, I'd choose the hard drives every day. Uh, if there were flash drives with solder work, you know, replacing controllers, you know, capacitors, diodes, whatever, that, that's fine. Um, working out the flash stuff can be quite time consuming. It's not impossible, but it's time consuming. Um, and um, what you tend to find is, unless it's something that's really important to somebody, um, they don't tend to want to pay for the time that you're going to put into recovering the data from it. Um, so, yeah, so price tends to dictate that sort of route um, with, with the microsoldering works and the sort of uh, the general sort of, you know, repair work. Um, there's many ways to skin a rabbit when it comes to sort of uh, repairing flash media, um, many, many ways. Um, 
a lot of the, the resoldering or rebuilding or rechipping, whatever else that that side of things is is quite sort of um, um, quite easier. It's much much easier to do, much easier to sort of uh, to, to to undertake. In my opinion, other people may say no, but in my opinion, it's much easier because I'm more of a hands-on sort of person. Um, yeah, but it's, it's, yeah, that's that's that's, that's, that's that one. <laughs> I suppose. Yeah, I think that answers that one. Right, next question we got from David is, do you recover the data and dispose of the device or do you recover the data and transfer it to a different device? Always transfer it to a different device. I mean, the um, the nature of data recovery um, really is, it, it comes in stages, right? Basically, data recovery is, is dealt with in stages. Um, your primary stages are repairing and imaging. Uh, they, are, they are paramount repairing and imaging uh, you need to be able to get access to the drive you need to be able to get access to the data or certain resources for the, for the drive to, to enable you to get access to the data um, once you've got access to the data you image you image now the better quality image you get from the drive the more success you'll have with your data recovery it really is that it really is that simple it's no good putting a broken drive that's got issues onto a computer in a, in a, in a caddy that's running a little bit of software that's just going to hammer the drive to death and then when it gives up about two three days down the line because it probably will you send it into us you know it, it, it just makes the job a lot more more difficult um, so yeah it's this um, that, that 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 is really the sort of um the the, the the process the imaging process is 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 very very important when it comes to recovering data from these drives okay uh next question from matthew is i'd be interested in hearing how they recover from different types of raid particularly zfs uh, when it's beyond its self-healing stage in particular how they deal with more uh, priority and encrypted file systems. Encrypted file systems. Well, I mean, I mean, encrypted file systems. Let's go back with the ZFS side of things and the self-healing. To be honest with you, I have to be totally hands up on it. In 11 years of doing this, I don't think I've ever come across a ZFS file system. Um, maybe just me. A lot of EXT, Linux-based stuff, but I've never seen a ZFS file system. Um, not really sure about that side of things. I would have to research that. Again, it's one of the R&D side of things or, or just, just sort of, you know, um, getting ahead around those sort of things. But RAID typically, um, if it's encrypted, then it's going to be a case of either hardware encryption. Hardware encryption can be dealt with um, at, at tooling level. Um, if it's password protected, then that's really something that um, um, ethics comes into play with, I'm afraid. Um, and just proving ownership isn't always the best way around doing that. Um, that's 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 something that really is, uh, is, is with ourselves. It's a bone of contention in a sense. Um, we don't break into BitLocker. It's possible, but we don't break into BitLocker for people. Um, Apple file systems is a different ball of game. Kettle fish altogether. TrueCrypt again, it can be cracked. It can be got around, but we don't purely because there's ethics involved. Nine times out of ten, people want access to this stuff for 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 legal reasons. And if you need it for legal reasons, we would tend to funnel those people towards a forensic sort of specialist. Um, we don't do forensics here. We'll knit together a few Word documents or an Excel spreadsheet or whatever else, or carve together as they call it. Um, but we don't tend to get involved in forensics where it's sort of, you know, audit tracking and tracing movements on the internet and stuff like that. There are people that specialize in that sort of thing. There are people that can prepare cases for courts. Um, it's very time consuming. 
we don't get involved in that. Our stock in trade here is recovery from damaged and failing drives and devices. That's what we do. Um, when it gets down to sort of um, cracking encryption or or sort of uh, getting around some sort of crypto locker or whatever else, there is a lot of stuff that can do it, but we don't get that involved with it, I'm afraid. Okay. Well, that's uh, good. So let's have a look. Next question is from Kevin Price. We've pretty much answered that one already, but if you just want to go over the referral scheme, how it works again, Alison or Steve? Yeah, sure. So with referrals, um, you really, all you need to do, obviously, if you have a client that's interested in, in um exploring the, even the possibility of getting data back um, all you need to do is just put them in touch with us and the best way to do that is to fill in a referral form um, we've got a special page on the website with a, a dedicated form to do that as soon as you hit that submit button it comes through to us on email here um, it's picked up and dealt with within usually within 30 minutes if not faster and I phone the client and just explain that you've put us in touch um, and why and I just get them to talk to me. They tell me what's wrong. They tell me what's happened, what they're looking to achieve. Um, and I'll go through some realistic pricing with them because it's absolutely, we, we just don't work on the way that we tell people a cheap price just to get them to send it in. It's just waste everybody's time. Um, so we're fairly um, transparent about how the fees are likely to go. And um, and then we invite them to send it in to us to inspect it. And obviously, once we've done that, we can give them a definite price and, and they decide what they want to do from there. So the referral basis just means that we deal with the client directly rather than um, you having to relay information from us to you, to you, to them, um, and then potentially confuse things somewhere along the line. Um, we just go straight to the, the end user and, and they're responsible for their own billing um, and agreeing their own quotations and things like that. Okay. Um, next question was, I currently have a drive from a laptop that I'm repairing, but the drive keeps clicking. Should I repair it myself or send it straight to someone like yourselves? <laughs> I think you know the answer to that one, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. I think I know the answer, but I think it's one of those things is uh, a lot of people with uh, – with text, we're always telling customers it's best if they take it straight to the computer repair shop and get it repaired than trying to repair it themselves. And I think I, that should be the same answer for... Yeah, I, 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 I once, back, back in the day when I was repairing PCs, I sold a PC to a chap and he brought it back because it wasn't working apparently. He said, I've not touched it, I've not touched it. I took the side off and there was a big yellow Duplo block in, in, inside the drive. He's, he's, somebody had put this in the drive at some point. And we get this inside the PC. We get this with, with hard drives, you know. Oh, I, I took the screws off. I didn't take the lid off. Um, and you've opened it up and it's got cat hairs in it. It's got half his breakfast in there, you know. Uh, so that, that's, that's, that's really what, what happens down that road. If, 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 you're, not, if you're not equipped to, to do the job properly, then, then don't do it. Um, if, you, if you value what's on the drive uh, and you need it back really desperately, don't get involved with it. Get somebody that knows what they're doing to do it. You know, I'm not saying us. I'm not saying send it to us. I'm saying send it to somebody that knows what they're doing. There's plenty of us around, you know. There's the, we, I think... We are a few and far between band of, 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 of sort of um, uh, pro professionals, I suppose. You know, there's some good local guys around. I've seen Sean up here. He's, he's come and said hello. Um, there's got Mike down the road. You know, there's, there's, there's lots of us around that do, do, do take, take pride in what we do and we do the job properly. Um, we won't rip your arms and legs off. We won't really sort of, you know, run you down the road and see how much you've got in the bank. Um, 
we just literally, from our perspective, we manage your expectation. We give you an idea of what's going to be happening. We give you an idea of costs involved and probability based on what you've told us and based on our experience. Nine times out of ten, um, we will have a positive result some way or another. Most drives are multi-plattered. Uh, you don't have to have every single head working to get data from a driver or a certain amount of it. You can work with these drives. You can exclude heads. You can do all sorts of things that will actually enable you to get access to the data at some level. You won't get everything back, but you'll get a good portion of it back or a good percentage of it back. Um, not everything that clicks is heads. Not everything that clicks is heads. And I've had this conversation with, with, with many people. Oh, it's clicking. It sounds like a bag of nails. Drives will make sounds for all sorts of different reasons. Okay, if you dropped it, it's probably going to be heads. But if you started clicking on the side there on its own somewhere along the line, chances are it may not be heads. It may be one head that's a little bit weak, but that doesn't mean we can't get the data without changing the heads. Or with, with changing the head, so, so that, that's that's that, that, that's that's where experience comes into this side of things. And if you're gonna sit there with a kitchen knife and open up your drive on your kitchen table, um, uh, and it's got your wedding pictures on it, it's got your baby's first steps on it, it's got all sorts of important information on it. Have a think. Have a think whether you really, really want to be doing that. I think the overriding message really is if you're if is put your clients data first and um you know we all want to get a good result for them but we, we just want to make that as straightforward as possible and um you know i think probably if you're not sure about what to do it's best to just send it in and uh, sometimes a job that you suspect like steve says if it's if it's clicking you suspect it's heads and the client can't afford it you know, it might not be as sinister as you think it is because obviously our tooling and equipment is a little bit different to potentially what you've got there um, for software-based recovery. So, you know, it's definitely worth a look. And uh, at the end of the day, if the customer it, is happy to pay the postage, then we're happy to look at it. It, co it costs you nothing to let us have a look at it and give you yeah. some sort of an idea of what's going on with it, you know. Um, and and that's, that's a short and tall of it, really. It costs you nothing to get it into us so let us have a look at it. Yeah, so it's worthwhile getting it checked out, really. Into, uh, even if you put, even, sorry, even if you put it in a drawer for six months to a year and you can't afford it or whatever else. I mean, Alison will probably explain um, that we, we do actually offer something which probably uh, – we, we, ha we haven't seen it with other data recovery companies, <laughs> but I don't look. Alison looks, I don't. Um, we do offer an installment plan for people that are on a tight budget. They want this stuff back. They want it back, you know, relatively quickly. But we really, they're prepared to wait maybe two or three months. So we'll spread an invoice quite evenly over a three-month period for, for customers. It's a bit more admin for Alison. It's a bit more chasing for us, but it helps the customer get their data back and it helps helps us get a job, I suppose, in, in, in the pipeline. Mm. We'd, yeah. much rather, we'd much rather, you know, wait three months in get paid in, uh, paid in stage than we would for to the client to just say, no, I don't want it done altogether. And um, it's a bit like a layaway, I suppose, as you put it that way in a, in one of the stores where they just they just chunk it off month by month, and on the third and final payment, the data goes back to them, and uh, all is well. Yeah, that sounds pretty good idea, actually. That does. And um, just a quick one. Um, 
not only do you obviously do repairs for tech companies and stuff like that and recommend uh, for referral and stuff, you also do standard straight consumer repairs as well, don't you? So yeah, if a customer absolutely. called you up and so yep, forth, yep. in case any standard consumer is watching um, so they know that they don't have to be a tech company to actually send the stuff to you. No, they can not just be at, at home. Not at all. And the thing is, obviously, if we do when we deal with the end users, we know that they don't have the knowledge that you necessarily do about how hard drives tick, for want of a better word. So we, we walk them through it, handhold them through the whole process, and um, we just try and make it as just smooth as possible for whoever works with us. That sounds pretty good. Right. If anyone has got any questions, put them in the comments section. I'm going to be going through the main questions, what everyone's been commenting Ooh. now as quick as I can. We've got quite a few in here, so uh, just bear w w with me on this one. So let's have a look. Um, so first of all, they're saying that uh, they like your uh, marketing video. Alison, I must admit it was a good marketing um, video, to be honest with you. It tells everyone what they need to do. It's on your main page on your website, easy it for is, people to yeah. find. That's a hint for everyone who's got a business here. They need to make it clear on the website what they do. And having a picture of yourself or a video of yourself is a good selling thing because people tend to know who you are before they're actually dealing with you. That gives them that more of a personal touch and so it's forth. Funny, Actually, when, um, when when we do get end users that ring us, they will actually ask for one of us by name because yeah. oh, I saw your video or I saw your picture on the on the about us page of the website. So you you said the same about you and yourself and Jenny, didn't you? That people mm -hmm. know who you are before they've even made contact, and once they get in, they just face to the voice, and it, it all tends to flow quite well. That's it. And obviously, if you're going to have a picture of yourselves on there, make sure it's a fairly decent one. Not one where you're in the workshop, you've got pizza boxes behind you and uh, stuff like that. So, but uh, uh, I have seen them in the past. So, uh, I guess everyone who joins Tech for Techs, they all leave their website address, and I get to see everyone's website address before they join. And um, sorry, guys, some of you have got awful websites. Um, I could do with a little bit of improvement on there. It's not the best impression. Uh, some of them. Right, let's have a look. So going through here, so uh, we've got Hi James from 19 Computing. Hello, James. Uh, hi, James. Hi, James. Down in Portsmouth. And uh, you've got Mark saying hi. Hello. Uh, hey, Mark. Hey, hi, Mark. <laughs> You've got one comment from Facebook Facebook user saying that was when hard drives were reliable. I'm guessing that was when you first started. Back in the 90s. Uh, probably, <laughs> or in the 90s, possibly. Uh, so you've got a few more people saying hi. So hi, Mark, Melvin, David, Hello, Melvin. Facebook user, uh, Sean, and so forth. Uh, let's get past all the hellos. Uh, right. Oh, okay. This is an interesting one. So, Facebook user, what brand do you get the most of? I'm guessing which brand do you have to repair the most? It's a, it's a, it's a bit of a misnomer, really, I suppose. I mean, we, we, we do get the most, the most hard drives we get are typically Western Digital and Seagate. That's, that's, that's the most. It runs in waves, though, to be honest. Um, but it tends to run in waves when we have uh, drives that develop certain problems. Like I said before, these Western Digital with the, uh, the slow to respond issue and the Seagate with the busy bug and whatever else. They have several several sort of like, you know, um, firmware revisions and whatever else. And these drives are mass produced. They are sort of uh, churned out to a price point to keep into uh, in, in, in competition with each other, I suppose. Um, and uh, we do see sort of um, 
some mornings I'll book stuff in here and I'll, and I'll have literally five or six, seven Western Digitals and maybe up two or three Seagates, Hitachi, a Toshiba, very few Fujitsus. Um, but yeah, Seagate and um, Western Digital are probably the, the most we see. But that's not to say that they're bad drives. That's not to say that they fail often. It isn't. It's purely because they're the most predominant players in the market. Western Digital and Seagate have bought up all of the small players. Your Mac stores, your Samsungs, your Fujitsus, your, your sort of Toshibas, your Tachis. They've bought them all up over the years. They've all been focused into Seagate and sort of Western Digital. You know, I can remember sort of, you know, fitting Connor hard drives years and years ago, sucked up by Seagate, God knows how many years ago, you know. So they've bought up all the smaller hard drive manufacturers or companies and just been sort of pushed into these two big Behemoth of, 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 of hard drive manufacturers. So they are predominant in the market, and we do see a lot of them purely because of that fact. Yeah, I can I can understand that. It's a bit like we see more HP laptops than anything. It's probably because there's more HP laptops around than anything. But again, they are not very good anyway. HP laptops only ones. Um, sorry if anyone from HP is watching, but um, business line, yeah, they're all right. But consumer, I find they fall to pieces. Um, right. So next question from Rahim: uh, Would you uh, recommend buying Rapid? Spa if you mainly work on phones but get odd drives in for recovery and he finds that cheap SSDs fail very often. This is this is this goes back to what I was saying earlier about imaging. Now, um, Rapid Spa, um, not used it. I don't have a Rapid Spa. We have DDI. We have other tools here to do it. Don't use DDI as much as I should, to be honest. But uh, Rapid Spa, um, if you're a, if you're a computer shop and you want to sort of like. Um, get more involved with data recovery and want to start doing it right. I was saying earlier on about imaging, how important it is to image, how important it is to basically get that initial sort of image and not punish the drive too hard. Rapid Spa will allow you to not punish the drive so hard. You can set it up so if it hits a problem, it will skip so many sectors. You can enter, you can adjust timeouts, you can adjust read directions, all these sort of little things that go to help you uh, grab an image. Now, on your first pass, you may want to set things nice and low so you're going to hit all the, all the low-hanging fruit, all the stuff that's easy to get hold of, all the sectors that are very easy to get hold of. You want to hit those. It will skip across the damage. It will skip across everything. It won't stop. It won't hang. It will just skip across all the damage. On your second pass, you can then focus on the damage. You can up your settings a little bit. And when you get to the point where it's really sticky, you can hammer it. You can really hammer it because you know you've got a good 90% of the data in the bank. It's on your target drive. It's sitting there waiting to be read and reconstructed you're now working on those sectors that are really difficult to get around and difficult to crack so rapid spa for a small computer shop or even a, a chain of computer shops if you want to get serious about data recovery and you want to improve your results for this sort of stuff it's an ideal tool for you it really is that's a pretty good answer to that. And uh, Peter sort of replied to that as well. He says he loves his, uh, but all the pop, click, and worm jobs go straight to you guys for repair. <laughs> he won't do with pop, click, and word jobs. <laughs> I don't think anyway. <laughs> So, yeah, it's one of those things is obviously if you want to have a play with it, fine. But if it's really important data, it's always best to send them always off to someone the who knows first. what Always put the customer first. Mm -hmm. Don't put your price before the customer. If you're want, if you want, if you serious about staying in business, you're serious about pleasing a customer, uh, and it's no shame in saying, listen, I can't really do this. I'm not really geared up to this, but I know some of you that can. There's no shame in that at all because you're putting their interest first before, you, before the pound sign. Um, 
we 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 do we we do get drives that we know have been really sort of you know um, I don't know hammered I suppose to death and and. and Chances of recovery is very slim after that, you know. Um, in a typical in a typical imaging process going through windows, um, you likely to probably get one pass at it because you can't you, you can't go back and focus on areas of the drive. It's very difficult to. You probably can if you know where they are. And you've make a, got a log which tells you where the skips are and everything else. You'll probably go back and just focus on those areas of the drive if you wanted to. But but it's just very hard to piece an image together properly without the correct tool and the, without the correct sort of you know, um, equipment. At your, at your disposal. If you're going to use a bit of imaging software and uh, an IDE caddy, or sorry, a, 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 a SARSA caddy or something like that, um, uh, to, to, to create your image or your first working image, then, then it's not going to work for you if the drive is failing. Um, dare I say it, some people are saying to me, what's an image? I just think <laughs> some people don't even think about making an image first. It should be your priority. It should be. You never, ever want to work with the original on a recovery phase. You really want to image that drive, get get all the available data sectors from that drive onto a target drive where you can then run your software over it, run whatever you want over it to try and reconstruct that information. Yeah, most people wouldn't think of that, and that's why you guys are, are probably the best place to send it to if you are having an issue. <laughs> so next up, we've got – oh, it's Cormac again. He says, the great thing I found when I send drives to Stephen Allison is the communication they have uh, with the customers and a lot of people. I send uh, – oh, sorry, I send – Left them five star reviews, which make Crosshaven computers and call me look real. He loves the commission. <laughs> yeah, he's he's in for the commission there. The, I think he's he's wanting a gift a gift or something sending over after the show. By the sounds of it, um, right here we go. Um, so we've got uh, Melvin. Once you use a packet of frozen peas to get data, yeah, we've, uh, I think we saw we've that a few that one, months yeah. ago. Put that one. Um, Put that one with so the right one. one. There we yeah, true. Um so let's have a look. Uh Facebook user, I'm not sure who that is from, but it says you're very compassionate, um, Alison. So I can see that being a plus customer wise. So that's nice. So uh seems like a lot of people do use you guys and well from what I'm seeing we're getting a lot of people who like you guys as well. So the they're both going well together. Um we've got Ben who's also another um, regular on the show. He likes his retro stuff. Um that. always nice to chat with Alison. We'll always recommend EADR where I can. Thank you, Ben. Uh, yes, call me. We know about your rice. Um, <laughs> let me guess he's going to feed that rice to his chicken afterwards or something chicken like that. Rice. But, yeah. So, right. So, Melvin's saying, uh, one of the most professional companies that I've worked with. I don't think the question's coming in. It's all praise for you guys. Um which is always good. Uh, let's have a look. So uh, Richard says, I've got a ban call Mac for the rice comment. Um, probably have do. <laughs> so, um, right, here's a proper question coming in from Ben. What's the oldest, smallest drive you have recovered data off of? And which brand do you see the most failures on? Okay, we've already mentioned the brands yeah. bit, but uh, what's the smallest, oldest drive? It's funny, you know, the oldest and smallest tend to be the most expensive. <clears throat> There's a few reasons for that, I suppose. Um, they tend to be more scarce for repair parts. Uh, I think the the, the most uh, the, the smallest one we we've, we've had to repair from was a 20 megabyte drive, a Seagate 20 megabyte Seagate, some time ago. Um, now that was that was quite an interesting job in the in the sense that it, would, it was it was it was in a a computer. 
was in a, a factory that uh, manufactured uh, bells. I think it was bells or doorbells or something like that. And um, it was on the, the production line and it just run this routine which tested the bell. That was all it was. It was just, it just tested the bell. Um, it hadn't been serviced for a long time and the tech went in there and they, they sort of let him get inside and service it. And as you do, guys, as you do, and I've had this happen myself many times, well, a few times, um, the last thing you want to do to a machine that's been running for 20 odd years is turn it off because you know sure as eggs eggs it's not going to come back on again and this guy yeah he turned it off and he didn't come back on again so he panicked and uh short long story short he 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 called the, the, the power supply caused a problem with the pcb we had devil's own job trying to get a, a drive for this i think it cost us about 300 quid to just to get a drive a donor drive for it um in the end it was it was it was one of these obscure sort of 20 megawatt things that was god knows how how old um yeah, so that's that's probably the smallest drive that we've we've, we've recovered from a hard drive we've recovered from anyway a twenty megabyte. I think it was a Seagate of some sort. We had a forty gigabyte one this week, didn't we? That we were oh, twenty on. megabyte, twenty megabyte oh, 20, drive. Yeah. No, of oh, this week we oh, had a small. The smallest oh. one was twenty megabytes. Yeah. Yeah. So there we go. Right, uh, a question for you because I know Ben loves them. Have you ever done any data recovery on anything like an Amiga? Uh, no. <laughs> Long story short, probably no. Nothing, probably no. nothing worth on them anyway, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'd ask it because I know he likes his Amigas. So, right, let's have a look. Uh, next question we got from Jason. Uh, if a driver has been erased with White Canyon, is there any chance of recovery? Shouldn't be, no. They shouldn't be. Um, uh, and depending on how it's been erased, but ten, what level they've used, um, no, it shouldn't be recoverable at all, to be honest with you. White Canyon is, is obviously one of these uh, um, um, sanitizing pieces of software which is designed to sanitize a hard drive. So it will, it will sort of... Um, it will particularly it'll wipe every sector and it will overwrite every sector. Or it, whatever it's told to do, it will do it to a certain standard, whether it be NDIS, DOD or whatever else. It, it will do it to that standard and it shouldn't be recoverable at all, no. So in basics, as long as the day, uh, the person using it knew how they were using it, then it should be wiped. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, to be, I, th I think really any 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 erase um, setting with using some software like that will destroy the data. Even a single pass at zero fill will destroy the data. You may be able to analyze it and get some, some data from what you call Slack space, but I, I would have thought so. Every sector is going to be zero filled, and, and, and that is it. Okay, that's a pretty uh, uh, easy answer there for you. So uh, what's the typical cost for the end user to recover data from a faulty mechanical driver? I'm guessing this is quite a big question, really. It could be... Uh, could be anywhere, so I'll let you answer that one. It's you know, it's, it's, it's one of those open-ended questions, really, to be honest with you. It, it depends on a lot of factors. It depends on the type of failure. It, tends, it does tend to sort of depend on the problem with the drive. It may have some, some physical damage inside, which needs to be sort of um, worked around or babysat. Um, so they, all those sort of things will factor into the price. Um, there's no one size fits all price for a mechanically failed drive, a firmware drive, or, or, or an electronically 
you know, a failed drive. Um, they do have all sort of different parameters, which eventually would dictate the price that's charged at the end of the day, which is why we tend to work more on a consultative basis uh, rather than just a one-size-fits-all basis. Um, you can stack them high and sell them cheap. You know, you can say, oh, you do date recovery for, I don't know, 120, 150, 160 quid, all in, you know, no recovery, no fee. Um but it's surprising how many people that charge those prices have got a plan B should things go a little bit not as they expect them to go. Um, yeah, no real fixed price on that. There's a ballpark figure that Alison will probably go for, unless Alison wants to talk about that, I don't know. But there we do have sort of, you know, the ballpark figures where it will come within a certain figure. Um, but that's really down to quotation stage. And quotations from ourselves, we never, ever revisit a quotation. We'll never sort of come back to you and say, you know, um, well, I've made a bit of a clangor here. I've, I, I've got to do this now. I've got to do that now. If I can't quote it properly in the first place, I shouldn't be quoting it at all. And that's our, that, That's the way I see it. That's the way we see it. And sometimes, yeah, we all make mistakes. Sometimes I've quoted for firmware-based repairs and it's, we've had to put a set of heads in. I'm pretty sure a lot of people that have done data recovery and maybe looking at this know exactly what I'm saying. But we've never gone back to the customer and said, well, it's turned into a head change. It's going to cost another 150, 200 quid or whatever else. We've never done it. I would, I would never do that to a customer. That's pretty good, that is. So, uh, right, next is from Dean Wood. He says, top service office here. Well done, guys. Never let our customers down. So uh, another happy customer. Um, not sure what comment that was related to, but go, Mr. C. Uh, Mr. C, go. Uh, I'm not sure who that's from. Again, if you I need to. <laughs> yeah. If you need if you need to basically chat, make sure you click that link in the Tech for Text Facebook group. What says chat.restream.io forward slash Facebook or FB, should I say? That will allow your name to be displayed. Right. Uh, let's have a look. Uh, Mark says, we work on referral basis. Works best for us and as for our customers. Um, so that's pretty straightforward. So let's have a look. We've had 100% with all our data recoveries, jobs done, uh, sent to EADR, fast turnaround, and great service. Customers sometimes cannot uh, fathom how it costs hundreds to get data from a £40 hard drive. <laughs> well, I think it's one of those things that sometimes uh, it's, it's always, a lot of times it's cheaper to buy new than actually get stuff repaired or recovered or whatever, but it's the amount of time you spend on them, I'm guessing. How long do you say you'd spend on an average drive? Um, it's hard to say, really, I suppose, because we, we, we have several machines here that are working pretty much 24-7. So I tend to fly between them um, in the sense of uh, once it goes onto the machine and we get all the little sort of um, niggly bits lined out, should I say, um, it tends to sort of sit there on its own. Now, I have I have had jobs sit on a machine for quite some time, <laughs> quite some time to get a positive result. Um but some jobs can can take you a couple of hours. So it depends on the capacity of the drive and how long it takes to image and whatever else in process. Um, some jobs can be very quick. Some jobs can be quite long. Um, in those instances, I wouldn't like to say it swings and roundabouts because it's a horrible term to use. Um, but yeah, they, they go on. And generally, uh, I, I say maybe a one terabyte sort of drive with a firmware repair, we would turn that around certainly with inside, inside of 24 hours. Okay. Uh, let's have a look. We've got a question from Kunal. He says, can drives effective with ransomware have data recovered? 
depends what ransomware is, I suppose. And as I said before, we never really got involved with ransomware. I know, I, I do know a lot of data recoveries do get involved with it. Uh, I myself have never really got involved with it. Um, I've never really sort of uh, seen the the, the, the the attraction of getting involved with that side of things and sitting there for hours in front of a computer just trying to sort of run either whatever over it. Or, I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, depends what ransomware it's had on it. Uh, I do believe some ransomware doesn't really um, uh, delete the information. It may alter it some way uh, in, 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 the, in the master file tables or whatever else, um, but it doesn't necessarily delete it. Um, so it can be recovered of sorts. Uh, there are several fixes and workarounds on the internet um, that you can download to reverse some of this if you can identify which variant has been used. Um, but uh, typically, um, I would say most of these ones that uh, have, have affected your machine in a blink of an eye can generally be recovered if you go the right way about it. Okay. Uh, right. There's another question about length of time. Uh, what's the longest time you've spent on recovering a drive? Just over 12 months. Wow. <laughs> It wasn't. It wasn't. Solid. It wasn't. It wasn't twelve months solid, and it was in the early days. The early days when we only had a couple of machines that were working and, and churning things out. Um, but it was a drive that was. Uh, no matter what I did to it, it just didn't want to read very quickly, and we had to settle really for it just reading very, very slowly. Um, even our tool providers couldn't provide a fix for it. They just said you've got to sit on it and just just nurse made it. So we did, and it took us just over twelve months of of, of working with this drive to get a again a positive outcome for the client. And this is the thing with with, with ourselves, uh, and, and I, I, I hate like saying this with ourselves because it sounds like we're sort of so, you know, but we we I know what it'd be like if I lost information that was precious to me. Um, and I put myself in that situation with a lot of, with our clients, and I try to do as much as I can to get this information back to the point where we'll put numerous sets of heads in over and above, you know, what we allocated for the job, just to get a uh, a positive result. Um, um, we have had jobs which, you know, uh, three or four sets of heads in, uh, you managed to get them to read properly. You found a set of heads that really works for you, and it goes in, bang, and, and you're on it. Um, some you're, you're changing heads pretty much for every platter surface you know so you may be able to get platter one back or platter zero back at two three and four or i just totally unreadable by this particular set of heads you put another set of heads in you're going to get another platter back but the other ones are not quite reading quite well and that's just that's just the tail of the tape with data recovery it really is the tail of the tape a lot of people don't understand that they just think you just sort of just i'll oh, take one out of this put it in that turn it on off you go you know the question we get asked quite a lot is um Oh, if you repair my drive, can I do the data recovery myself? Well, not really. Um, data recovery at this level um, often involves modifying or sort of um, loading certain things into RAM or RAW. It, it often involves manipulation with the tools that we have. So they have to stay powered on in a certain way uh, to be able to get access to data. Turn it off, turn it on again, you're not going to get the data. You've got to go through the whole process again or automate the process. They're perfectly capable of automating it. Automate the process so that every time it does power off, it makes the necessary changes, loads the necessary things up into RAM and then can carry on doing what it's doing. Um, repairing a drive heads or firmware wise very rarely goes well if you send it back to the client and i really wouldn't want to do that because i don't think we would get um a satisfactory outcome i would get an angry person phoning me saying you fixed my drive and now it don't work 
sort of scenario. And I noticed a question come up earlier on regarding um, um, uh, fixing drives uh, or, or do we sort of, you know, uh, take the data off and place it onto something else. We always, always image the drive put the recovery onto a new drive, a brand new drive with manufacturer's warranty. And then the old drive is either given back to the client or it's to securely destroyed with certification for them. Okay. Right. Here's another one for you. Um, let's have a, do you keep a copy of the recovered data locally for insurance in case the data is destroyed or lost in transit, I suppose? If you do, how long do you keep it before you destroy it? In all of our literature, we say that we keep a copy of our data on our server, with your permission, for two weeks. Two weeks post the invoice date. So we'll invoice you and we'll finalise the the, uh, the case. It goes out via our courier and you receive it, you check it. It's safe here for two weeks. Now, everything goes out with leaflets and everything else that says, back up, back up, back up. Please, this is your only copy. Back it up. There are a lot of people that don't. And we have had people in the past that come back to us maybe sort of a week or so later, oh, I've dropped it. Did you back it up? No, I haven't backed it up yet. So we can luckily reprocess the case for them and get it back out onto a new drive with a cost of a new drive or whatever else. Generally, as a courtesy, to be honest with you. I know a lot of people charge for it, and I do feel strongly about certain things. But no, generally, it's a, it's a courtesy. And I think it goes a long way, to be honest with you. It does go a long way. A little bit of PR goes a long way. Um, yes, but we keep it on our service for a couple of weeks. Um, at least two weeks. Um, if you want it destroyed sooner or you want us to keep it a little bit longer, we can do that for you as well. Um, our ISO dictates maximum of a month. So we literally just one month, the server's cleared down and everything sort of is, 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 is zero set and uh, somebody else's data goes on. We have four, four servers that we put stuff onto and they're used in rotation. So they'll just go Click, 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 click. Once about every month, whatever goes on there goes on there goes, and it's just it's just the way it works. So we clear one down while we're using using the other one. Okay. Uh, next comment was from Peter Whitehouse. Not in tonight. We'll check the recording later. Okay. So he's logged in to say he's not watching it, but he'll watch it later. Okay. <laughs> nice one, Peter. Uh, few people laughing about the frozen peas. Um, let's have a look. So we've got one here. My experience with data recovery is do send it to you guys. Uh, you're the only data recovery company I've had constantly good experience with. Oh, thanks, Ender. So I'm guessing you've worked with her quite often by the sounds of it. So let's have a look. What's Richard saying here? I try and explain how hard this drives work as a kind of a cross between a record and a magnetic tape. That's how Alison okay. explains it. That's how Alison explains it. Needle, needle on a record, isn't it, Ali? <laughs> yeah, I usually go record. But they, they, they can actually grasp that because they, you know, they know what that means. And um, we'll have to explain to them that it's that the parts inside are the bits that are, if it's dropped, you know what happens if you jumped up and down next to a record player, you know, yeah. every, everything is going to be sort of, you know, messed around inside and you might cause the damage on the actual record itself or the platter surfaces so um yeah it's quite a good analogy to use really i must admit i've used that one a few times to be honest with you and I, yeah instead of running at 33 and a third and 45 or 48 whatever speed it was it runs at 7200 <laughs> yeah catches if you give that analogy to anyone under the probably the age of 30 they'll probably look at you a bit gone out because they won't know what a record is either yeah <laughs> but, but then again they are making a bit of a comeback i've seen um i must admit i do deal with a couple of the 
um, stores what deal with LPs and stuff like that. But uh, uh, right, let's go on. Um, okay, Richard saying man needs updating, but finally got it working again. I'm not sure what that is. No, is, his it website, car, is it his website? Is it his website? <laughs> Who knows? Um, so we've got someone saying hi to you guys. Um, Hello. Uh, Let's have a look. Uh, from Richard is saying we used to use Quantum Bigfoot hard drives. They were slow and horrible. I remember Quantum. Um, I've got one out the back, actually. <laughs> have you? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, let's have a look. Uh, this one's from Richard as well. Um, when drives are marketed as surveillance, I'm sorry, as surveillance drives, etc., and marketed as drives designed to run twenty four seven. Uh, is there really that much of a difference to the drives' internals that would make them more reliable? To be honest with you, I'm not really overly sure about that. I just I do know they don't read as fast as as, uh, as normal sort of drives. Normal drives you get in your PC or whatever else. Uh, they are very sluggish, but they're designed to run at a lower rate and obviously to search stream rather than sort of you know caching all the time. So yeah, it's. Um, they, they are different. They are different. The, pur the WD purples, I think, uh, are different. Um, I probably don't look different as much inside. But then again, I'm not sure I've actually opened up a WD purple, if I'm honest. Um, don't get so many surveillance drives in for recovery works like that. Um, so, no, I couldn't really say, to be honest, if they're different inside or not. But they, they certainly perform a lot differently uh, than, than normal hard drives. Sounds pretty good. Um, let's have a look. So next up, we've got Richard... Uh, my did that after I wanted it to not to. I have no idea what that is in relation, <laughs> relation to. So uh, uh, Ben's saying, uh, go, Phil. That was a great question. I think that's regarding the Amigas. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Um, let's have a look. Um, Jason, perfect. I use this to wipe drives before I send them off to you, Alison, for parts. That was I'm the White Canyon was... question, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. the one. Um, let's have a look. We're starting to catch up now. I think we've got Sonia at Target oh, Components. Look for Target Components there. Uh, I've met <laughs> Alison a few times at our open day, uh, but never Steve. So it's nice to put your face on uh, to a name. And thanks for the 20 year old photos you recovered from my sister. You're very so, welcome. I'm going to try and get Steve to come along next time, Sonia. Yeah, you'll have to drag Steve along. Uh, uh, it'd be an interesting evening. Uh, I think it'd be, it'd be good on the, uh, what is it, 70s or, or 80s night or whatever it is you normally have on the evening. He'd rock a wig, wouldn't he? Come on. Yeah. He doesn't look happy at that comment. <laughs> All right. There we go. So, yeah, I must admit, I do miss the uh, open days, not just oh, obviously yes. targets, other ones as well. What around? It's uh, It's been a, a strange year, let's put it that way. So, right. So, next up, we've got Macaulay. Uh, I bet that failed Microsoft Surface I sent over you to, uh, is still lurking in the corner somewhere. <laughs> and that's from Macaulay Which Stevenson. Which one was that one? Was that the last one we had here? Yeah. Yeah, she didn't go ahead with that one. Yeah, okay. So let's have a look. Uh, Melvin, anyone remember IBM Death Stars? They were dreadful. Desk Stars, officially Death known stars. as. Yeah, Death Stars. Not Death Stars. That's Star Wars. They call them Death Stars because they used to fail quite a lot. I think. I think if I if I remember rightly, I heard somewhere. This is probably. I don't know. I just heard it. They failed so badly because. I, I think they, they started to use glass platters. 
and they couldn't quite get the bonding for the substrate and the glass right. And some I've opened them myself, and you open them up, and you've got literally like almost a clean piece of glass inside, which and, and everything everything's in the filter. All the dust is in the filter, and it's 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 just not very good at all. I'm pretty sure that's what it is all about. That, yeah, I'm going to say uh, Death Star. Uh, right, let's have a look. We've got Dean Wood next. Um, we keep a stripped down driver at our reception desk to show customers inside workings. I must Good admit, idea. that's something we do as well, um, yeah. so they can see what it looks like. Um, show basically, this looks like an LP. You've got your arm and all, everything like that, and so forth. Back to the LP allergy again. Um, let's have a look. Oh, before we go on to this question, um, do you guys accept old drives then, like donor drives and so forth? If you yeah. obviously if people have got old drives, what they need to obviously dispose of or whatever. We do, we do. Yeah, I mean, we we we'll, we'll take them in. Um, uh, whatever you got, we'll take in. We do have, we process them out of the back here. What I will say to you guys is that um, nothing, nothing here is ever sold on. Uh, it's always used as spares uh, or parts or whatever. Um, they're never sold on to anybody else. Um, if there's a functioning drive, it gets cleared down before it goes into our stock, green stickered, as they say. Um, but yeah, we'll take them in. Um, I know it can cost you guys quite a lot to get rid of them. So I mean, for the price of a courier, we'll send somebody in to pick them up from you. It's not a problem at all. Okay, that's pretty good. Right, so let's go to Robert's question. He says, uh, good evening, all. Uh, I'm presuming that means got a drive of EADR at the moment. Amazing communication, really freshing. It's Aww. either that or he's gone really religious on us. No. <laughs> Here we go. So let's have a look. Uh, yes, Richard, there is a bit of a delay, unfortunately. So between when I say something and then you hear it and then it comes back to us, there can be a good uh, at least a minute term delay uh, all round. And then obviously we're playing catch up as well. Yeah. So, right. We're nearly at the end, guys. So uh, if there is any last minute questions, send them through now. Otherwise, well, tough luck. Um, you'll have to ask them in chat and we'll get Alison to answer them. Or you can obviously give these guys a call and they'll help you out. Yeah. Uh, Ed on YouTube says, hello, Stephen, Alison. Great to see you. And you, Phil. Yeah. And... Melvin says it sure is. So just uh, <laughs> so that's the delay. Um, so what what we'll find is um, let's have a look. If there's any more questions co to come in, send them now. Be really quick about it. I'll just go around to Alison and Steve. Is there anything you would like to add on before we finish the show? No, I don't think so. It's just you know, thanks for having us as part of the community. Um, it, it's it is really lovely to sort of interact with you all. Um, we just want to make this as smooth a, a sort of deal as we can for you and, and help you to grow your businesses. Um, not only do we do obviously the referral side and we look after your clients in that way, um, we also try and refer work back to you. So if we're not um, if we have um, services that the client asks for, um, we'll put them out geographically or best fit, really. So we do often bounce back work to you guys as well. And um, it's just great to be connected with you all. So thanks for all your support and, and for helping us do what we do. Well, I'm glad we're able to help out everyone. Uh, so always nice to see the compliments and so forth. So yeah. um, obviously, Tech for Techs, as most of you know, if you don't already, is basically a community for all techs, vendors, 
distributors, businesses like EADR and so forth to work together and improve themselves and grow together. So if you would like to join Tech for Techs, I'll give you a bit more information at the end if you're not already a member. I've got one or two people just logging in now saying, great show, thanks, sorry I'm late, and so forth. Uh, otherwise, uh, it seems like we've finished with the questions. So I would like to thank Alison and Steve for joining us today. Thanks, you are in- Thanks for having us. That's no problem. I'm glad you actually joined us. I hope your nerves weren't too bad. No, it disappeared fairly quickly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not too bad on a, a live show, in all honesty. All right, okay. If anyone else as well is interested in joining us on a live show, whether it's been on a general topic or you want to show off your uh, distribution or vendor or whatever business you are, feel free to let me know. Just comment in the comment section. Send me a message. Our email's on here. You Just, well, contact me. You know where to get me. If you can't find me, well, not much I can do about that one. Right. So, as I said, I'd like to thank Alison and Steve for joining. Uh, if you are an independent trader, store owner, MSP, tech, vendor, distributor, you can find out more information about Tech for Techs at techfortechs.co.uk forward slash join and you can actually see that address on the screen there uh join over 1150 members just like you that can give you free business or tech advice and did i say it's totally free to join with no membership costs to you but bear in mind when you do click that link and you press join please answer the questions because if you don't put your web address in, you don't put your company name in, we're not going to let you in. We only let around about 10% of applicants into the group because they do not fill the questions in. So please fill the questions in, otherwise you will get turned down. Again, thanks for watching and thanks for supporting local independent businesses. Good night, everyone.